When I was a little girl, my grandmother would start her day at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee. And when I would wake up, I would join her at that table and we would talk, we would laugh, and I would listen and I would learn. Sometimes she would talk to her girlfriends and I would soak it all in. They talked about life, they talked about love, but mostly she talked about being ferociously her, being her authentic self in a world that didn't always accept who she was, how she was, or that she was. But she didn't let that stop her. She made shift happen anyway. My granny's not with us anymore, but that doesn't mean the laughing and the learning has to stop. Join me, ladies and gentlemen, at my kitchen table, and let's keep talking shift. You're listening to Talking Shift, the podcast, with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. Talking Shift is a trademarked production of Marissa Q. Payne International, your source for coaching and consulting when you need a major shift in life or leadership. Have bag, we'll travel. <laughs> for more information, visit marissacupain.com. Get you some good friends when you're going through your shift. That's the message here. For now, listen, learn, and laugh with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. Emphasis on at the moment. Hey, family, welcome back to Talking Shift, the podcast with your favorite host, Marissa Q. Payne. I am humbled today to be joined by our guest, who is, as you will soon find out, what I coined a super shero. <laughs> Dr. Omolora Uwimedimo is a social entrepreneur and community health advocate and equity uh, champion. She is a physician. She's got a master's in public health. She's the founder of Melanin and Medicine, Strong Children Wellness, and the co-founder of the Coalition to Advance Anti-Racism in Medicine. If you know anything about the inequities in our health, then you know how important the work that this woman is doing for not only the community, but the healthcare providers. And I had the pleasure of connecting with her in a time of shift. <laughs> and we connected spirit to spirit. And I'm just excited for you to hear her shift story and for us to lean in in a way that I know will be powerful so join me in welcoming Dr. Omolora to the Talking Shift stage. <laughs> Thank you, Marissa. I'm so happy that you're finally doing this, first of all. Oh, my God. You're just going to put me I out am. like that? I, am. I, am. <laughs> I figure since you're going to put out all my business, then I'm you gonna... And you already know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy, too. I have had the pleasure of, you know, having some really amazing guests like you and the conversations are necessary and me being a conduit to um, having them is just uh, really been a blessing, honestly. You know, sometimes you don't, you, you take your work for granted, you know, it's on your heart, but you don't see how meaningful it can be. But I'm excited to be here and I'm excited for the people to hear about you 
your story and the work that you're doing. So why don't you talk a little shift to the people, introduce yourself and a little bit about what you know about shifting in your own way? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think uh, shifting, if there were degrees or grades for shifting, I, I think I get a, I think I get an A for the shift for Listen. how often, <laughs> how, how that seems to be my normal, but, um, yeah. you know, I have had multiple shifts, both personally and professionally. I think the biggest thing is having this whole career that was dedicated to one exact thing. Like since I was five, I was like, I'm going to be a pediatrician. And yes. the idea that everyone equated me with pediatrician. And I did that up to a point that was probably past when I realized that I shouldn't be there. And it's mm. so interesting how everyone talks about the fact that, you know, God, if, if you don't listen, the whispers, like God's just oh. going to be like, look, okay, fine. fine. She's, <laughs> she's not listening. We're going to push her. And, you know, that initial shift, initially I was a global health pediatrician traveling all over, doing on team, doing too much that I have a membership mm. card for, for that. And <laughs> pretty much, you know, was able to do the work that I loved, which is serving low income countries and then coming back here and serving low income communities. And mm. Ultimately, I found myself in academia, seeing patients clinically, some of the most underserved populations, undocumented immigrant populations, of course, our black and brown populations, but homelessness, domestic violence, all of that in my clinical time, running research programs, teaching an MPH program on public health, um, and then also having to run our global health programs to teach other residents. And ultimately in 2018, mm -hmm. I, started to, everyone had called it burnout. And I started to interrogate, was that what I was feeling other than kind of this need to be human, right? This mm. need to like have boundaries and be, not have to say no to everything um, mm. or not have to say yes to everything. And ultimately yeah. I asked, I finally had the courage to ask my boss and say, I need to step away from the clinical. And mm. that... <laughs> was not received well as many shifts that when you have shifts happen it was not yeah. received well but i pushed through that and ultimately found myself unable to have a happy medium in terms of having white space in my life and so i filled Ooh. that up and when i did six months later i was in the hospital mm. um i lost the ability to walk like in a week and during that time, of course, I brought my computer to the hospital mm. and was like, yeah, I, my brain still works. I can walk. Mm. I, I can't walk. Um, I can't go to the bathroom by myself, but, but <laughs> my brain still works. It's still it's on. Still on um, uh. Until God was like, nope, that's not going to happen. And I would get vertigo, nausea. So then I was like, okay, I got to put this away. And I finally have to let my, my work know that I can't do the work. Um, there was a meeting, five people were delegated to take on my work wow. and ultimately I found out I had a brain lesion. So there was something in my brain. <laughs> um, I had a brain lesion. They diagnosed it had multiple sclerosis. This is a disease you're going to have for the rest of your life. And mm. my neuro my new neurologist said, after she did her history, she said, if you do not change what, how you run your life, you will be in a wheelchair. 
within the next wow. 12 to 24 months. Um, wow. So that was the biggest shift that finally like opened the door to, oh my God, I have to do things differently. And I, I mean, we can talk about how that led to me moving into entrepreneurship and all of that. But I would say when we talk about shift, it all starts from this moment of living your life as a martyr, whether it be as a yeah. black person, as a woman, then as a physician, all of yeah. those have the layers of the martyrdom. All of the above. All of the yeah. above. Um, as a mother. <laughs> yep. And then deciding that in order to do the service, I had to, I had to serve myself. And that is mm. not something that was taught, trained. So it was a lot of unlearning that had to happen. Um, and that kind of led me down this path that we can talk about in terms of how I shifted. Yes, girl. <laughs> you said so much. Man, you said so much. I appreciate what you said about the need for white space in your life and filling it up. You know, the need for the whisper gets a little louder. And if you don't listen, it becomes, you know, it will, it will, you're going to get the message one way or the other. And there is this absolute propensity for those who are of us who are called with purpose to push through it, to, to just, you know, they always, they often say, if you want to get something done, give it to someone who's busy, right? Because <laughs> um, we make shift happen. And how important is it that we are a part of that shift? That message didn't get through. <laughs> it didn't. Um, it did not. So what was it like once you got the message? I can only imagine. Did you? I, I know for me, sometimes I just, even with new information that could be that jarring, you can still go into activate mode, right? Problem solving mode. And it takes a while before you actually let the emotion of it sink in what was it like oh for you oh my gosh thank you for saying that because i remember that's exactly what i did um mm -hmm. i they told me i had i couldn't go back to work and for someone who's like been on her career trajectory since she was 15 it was like i i don't know what what do i do if i'm not working <laughs> like this do i do i exist like who am i mm -hmm. and ultimately i had four months that they had estimated I needed to relearn how to walk, do intensive physical therapy. And during that time I wasn't working and I was like, okay, what can I do? So my biggest first thing was going back to service. I was like, okay, why did I get this? Why do I have this? Oh, I found out about weathering and all of these issues that happen to black women. I'm gonna start a Facebook group and we're gonna do this and we're gonna help each other and make sure this doesn't, and it was just, all of that happening in the mm -hmm. three, I was like, I'm not gonna mourn what it is I've lost. Come on. I'm not going to have the space to just be able to be. And because society has told me I'm not a human being, I'm a do, I'm a human doer, right? Wow. And ultimately I ended up, I think, doing everything, starting like groups and bringing people together and then I went back to work and I put together a budget and I was like, okay, I'm going to stand up for myself. 
this is the job that I need to have in order to have with the support, everything. And they were like, yeah, we, we can't do that. Uh, and I was going to say, hopefully one job. It was one job. Didn't. Exactly. It wasn't lost it on me that you said job. five people I was like, were necessary. I need support. These people can do. And um, they said no. And then I remembered that everything after that was like, I think something about proving myself. And then mm. it all turned into that Charlie Brown, you know, wah, wah, wah. wah yeah. Wah. Yes. And I started my, I started a page. My, my cousin, he's a, he's a lower, younger millennial. He came and I was like, I need to start a website. I need to, I, mm. I got to do something on my own. I remember at one point where I didn't know what the diagnosis was, I was like praying to God. And I was like, God, please. Cause I, in my head, I'm thinking cancer or something. And I yeah. was like. I know what you're telling me, which is I need to leave this place. I have something, but I don't know what it looks like. I can't trust myself on my by myself. I, I need these wow. big institutions and other places. And and it wasn't until the institutions were like, nope, nope, you can't you can't do it like Ooh. that. I remember I did not. I love people how they have these entrepreneurship stories where like I left and I went and. I was kicking and screaming. I yeah. was, I went to other departments and was like, hey, this is what I could do. Just, and literally it took these two white men who both said the same thing. They were like, maybe you should just leave. Wow. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> I got it. Um, what do you think yeah. the resistance was about? I think it was, I think it was, everything had been, on a specific path, meaning it was clearly marketed, go to med school, do residency, do this attendingship, and then, you know, that's supposed to be it. Then you're supposed to have joy. And I think yeah. when I wasn't finding joy in something, I was like, okay, let me add, let me add this mm. and let me add that. Mm -hmm. And I think when my neurologist was like, you have to eliminate, I didn't even have that muscle. like. Mm -hmm. What what do I eliminate? And I think it was someone else's formula. Yeah, for it wasn't mine. Or, and yeah. um, one of the really interesting things I did was I got this book. I forget how I was, you know, my, in my problem solving phase. I was. It was called "The Future Belongs to Those Who Dare," and mm -hmm. it was a book about strategic futuring. But it wasn't like read, you know, chapter. It was exercises, and that mm -hmm. was really good for me. And it allowed me to start visioning. I'd never visioned anything. Wow. I never. The path was set. Yeah, I didn't. You just followed the script. What do I want to have in my life? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what everyone, yeah. do things for everyone else. My brother had called me and said, oh, Malara, what is it that you love to do? And he specifically said, don't tell me about serving other people. What is it that you love? What it brings you joy? And I couldn't answer him. And so I think once I realized, yeah, I need to leave, it was about doing that work. And the work that I loved was mentoring, connecting with other Black women, physicians. Somehow they always gravitated to me and also just helping them, you know, move forward. And I, I think a lot of times I'm wondering, like, why would my, you know, overwhelmed, stressed self do? But it was just like this calling in me to, I see what this other side looks like 
and you can do it so differently and just be feeling in that feeling that and so that was kind of what pushed me to now say to myself i want to work with more healthcare providers i want to work with more black women i want to protect us i want to stop the fact that we have a um i think it's four percent in the general population have suicidal thoughts it's one in ten doctors that have suicidal wow. thoughts um i want to stop the fact that we have higher rates of autoimmune disorders um, cardiovascular disease and hypertension. Um, and, and people don't know this in, in the physician and healthcare worker uh, realm. And so I just felt really called. And, and then I remember thinking in the first iteration of my business, I was doing a lot around work-life integration about how you can withstand the burning building. Mm. <laughs> but then they were like, but you're not in the burning building anymore. So how do we do that? <laughs> how do we leave the burning building? I was like, oh, okay, touche. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and then that moved to, you know, the biggest issue for many people were money, right? How do we build uh -huh. the spaces that allow us to be free and healthy so that we can actually help others to be healthy? And that was kind of, that's been the iteration or the, the major shift that I moved into in the past 12 months of my business of really helping people actually get the funding and the contracts. And I like to say, create these health practices or health spaces that not only bring profit and powerful impact, but bring peace into your life mm. again. Oh and so God. that's kind of- I I'm like, they were like, how do we make shift happen? <laughs> right? Yeah. That was the question. And that's what I love about the shift movement. It's all about disruption where it is taking advantage, right, of our talent, right? I'm good enough for you to abuse, right, For because of how I'm serving you. But when I wake up and I say, oh, this should be a win-win relationship and I need white space and balance. Now, all of a sudden you're confused and that can't happen. <laughs> yeah. So when I um, relinquish my value to you, I'm in trouble, right? But my value is solidified. So how do I make shift happen and create a setting that's actually going to be conducive to making a difference in the community and doing the work, but also ensuring that I live in abundance in my life as well. And I don't have to sacrifice or choose between the two. What I love about it is that you didn't have the whole picture or the whole answer from day one. You know, oh. and we talk about that. We go from shift to shift. You know, you knew you needed to feed yourself first. Yeah. Right. And, and that's OK that you were like, OK, first what I need. And also so you were serving, but also being served and fed mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, through community and hearing and responding. And as you did that more opportunity and the vision became the vision right yeah. became clearer and you know you began to let it broaden you know so your healing journey was happening as you continue to serve and give and hopefully the money is coming as well like that's not easy mm -hmm. right no it's not because <laughs> and i yeah. think that's where we connected you were yes. like in that shift where it's like okay i've been doing this 
I think there's something else. And I don't really know exactly what's going on no more. That's it. That's <laughs> How did I get here? It's not exactly. But the thing about it is that it didn't take you as long as it had over that long career when you recognize that this time you were more obedient and more agile and able to shift a little sooner. And I was more willing to ask for help. Ooh, come through. Medicine is a, a loner sport. Mm. No one is supposed to see you sweat. Wow. And so that is what we're taught. Like, I've gotten these degrees. I can do this. You know, even in the the practice, which is actually what started, you know, what was the initial, like our, my, my practice with my co-founder, Strong Children Wellness, even in that, we were building and it was kind of like, okay, at some point we got to ask somebody like for some, <laughs> some help. But all three of yeah. us were, you know, just very indoctrinated into that. And so I think it just got so much shorter because it was kind of like, unlike medicine, I, you know, I didn't have like a base where I could be like, oh, you know, medicine, I knew these things. So I said, okay, maybe I could lean on that. But in mm. this whole, you know, idea of consulting and, and trying to think about how to show my framework for how to help, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I, yeah. And ultimately I was just like, I need help and I need to talk. And so I think from the beginning, I was very motivated from to putting money into that, to investing, into having conversations with people like you. I mean, I loved our first conversation. I was just like, who is this lady? Like, <laughs> why is she like reading me like this? But like, I still, you know, love her. Like, I don't get it, but. <laughs> get out of my business. <laughs> and. Do that some more, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Can we talk again? Wait, what? What did I just tell her? Um, and I think, you know, it's so interesting because it's such a different model. I, I often say, so one of the things that I know people often tell me is that, like something that I stated to them, which is that busy is not a badge of honor and exhaustion is not excellence. That's not, that's what we're taught. And yeah. there's like a, a recurring pattern of black women and other women of color in medicine where it's about extraction and exploitation. And then yes. when we're done with you, erasure. And that was exactly. what, when they were like, just leave. Like, you know, we'll go back and find another one to replace you, you know, who's wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, <laughs> like until we Man. basically pull everything out of her. And so that I, I had think my is... daughter on the show and this, oh, yeah. um, early on and asking just about shifts that, that, you know, I had like people that really know me really closely to sort of introduce me. Mm -hmm. And my daughter said that one of the things that she, uh, the biggest shift she appreciated was watching me shift from being a workaholic for somebody else to at least doing it, you know, for my own brand. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I think I did a better job at the workaholic thing, don't you think? You know, she like, mm -hmm. yeah. Don't let me don't let me bring my two daughters down here because <laughs> oh gosh, because like yeah. But there's something that shifts in in your 
did you notice this? So I'm I'm curious about like your health mm-hmm. and how that has evolved. I think that when you get out of the system and into the liberty that is and the liberation of entrepreneurship of um you know being able to express and make decisions and develop strategy in a way that doesn't require permission it does something to all of your being all of your mind body spirit the whole package would you agree i would agree i think we have to be i think because my compliance and i don't know you know many people talk and many people have heard physicians make the worst patients right <laughs> that is very true um okay. so you know so and the reason we do is because of the fact that we are made to think like we are some like being that's not like doesn't we don't need help it's like we're supposed to help other people so yeah and so when there are issues whether it be health issues it's kind of like that'll blow up we just need to help other people um (laughs) and so i think what i think the health piece and like my personal piece was a much slower shift for me because Hmm. i i couldn't i couldn't make the ubuntu connection yet right Mm. the connection that every that everything that i was putting out I was getting positive reinforcement, but it was like just scratching the surface of what God thought I could do. And God mm-hmm. was like, you get yourself right. Mm-hmm. This is going to be crazy. Like in terms of the, wow. the things that you want in your community, the things that you want, the impact that you want to make, you know, through the women <laughs> who are working in these other communities for, you know, marginalized populations right now, you're, you're, pretty much, you know, doing well and it's looking great. But Mm. if we can get you to 100%, if you can Mm -hmm. actually understand the relationship and how you're doing them a disservice when you ignore yourself. And so that has literally been only a shift probably in the last six to nine months for me, honestly, if I'm being very honest. And what had to happen was not running, you know, to the next thing, but staying. And I remember I was having a conversation with an old colleague who's still at the organization. And he was just talking about how like, they're still like using my stuff and showing all this stuff or whatever. And he was just, and then I like was on the phone with him and, you know, we're always jokey. And then I just started bawling and he was like, oh my God, oh my God, what happened? (laughs) And I realized after I got myself together and was like, okay, you know, whatever, bye, is that I hadn't given myself time to mourn, to mourn the end of something that was really like important and, defi- and def- you know, uh, definitive yeah. for me. And also the end of personal things, right? Like I was mm-hmm. an African dance, like aficionado and I was you know, traveling everywhere and yeah, my mobility was, you know, reduced. Restricted, and yeah. I had to like take some space and like say, I get to be angry. I get to mourn. Mm-hmm. I get to be upset and give myself space to do that. 
And I think mm-hmm. once I was able to emotionally let that out um, mm-hmm. and not be, and even if I'm saying, oh, you know, I'm doing things for other people. Once I was able to kind of let go of that, that has been allowing me to be the person I need to be. It's also allowing me to share the stories that are, that I'm finding oh. out are really helping people. Like, you yeah. know. Yeah. Suppression does not serve us. No. And this is this is why I added breath work to my practice because I it's so funny when I went to my breath work certification on the first day we were doing introductions and I was just like, my name is Marissa and I hate emotions. Like I was yes. like, I'm gonna tell y'all right now. Amen. Like, I'm not about this crying shit. Like I don't I don't want it. I don't have space for it. I don't have time for it. I am just like, you know, and that, you know, I think it was like a six day intensive was like one of the most powerful experiences for me. And I did more crying and emoting, right? In your subconscious, like when you just act, move on and activate, you're suppressing and it's hanging out in your body somewhere, until you actually let it flow and to get it out of there, right? And and you're storing it in your body. So there's not room for the uh, new stuff that you need because it's too much of that other stuff hanging out, you know, wherever, eventually creating dis-ease, right, exactly. in the body if you leave it there. And so I learned that, and most of that stuff is happening in the subconscious, because we're not aware of it, right? So most of our thoughts and all of that, so it's suppressed. So we got to steal ourselves long enough to let that begin to flow and get out and through us. And I just appreciated a practice that allowed me to do that because otherwise, you know, I was I was a mess. And I, I do it. One thing Marissa is going to do is take a sabbatical. Mm. <laughs> You know, short, whatever, whatever that means, right? Like it's, I haven't done a year long or anything like that, but there've been probably, I know for a fact, two times. My first one was right before I started the shift movement. And then just this year I did, I took three months off. Scariest thing, right? Because I am now, you know, going through a divorce. I'm self-employed. My whole economics have shifted. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't take on another thing. I wasn't functioning my best. And I knew that. And I was just like, I I can't serve, yeah. right, from an empty place. And I just took the time. And I I still ate. You did. <laughs> you, you did. You and did. came back. And I'm feeling much, much better and better able to serve. So I'm learning to listen to body okay. for sure. It's critical. And physicians aren't alone. <laughs> Coaches are the same way. Facilitators, the worst facilitation to have is a room full of facilitators, <laughs> right? We're all like that, you know, but we, we've got to learn to prioritize self first. Yeah. We have to. We have to. I think my therapist, it was interesting because she, we were talking, I forget about maybe traditions. I'm, Ni- I'm a Ni- daughter of Nigerian immigrants and she was like, do you ever see that meme? And I was like, what meme? And she was like, you know, traditions are just peer pressure from dead people. And I was like, oh. okay. 
All right, I guess we're done for today. <laughs> oh. And I was like, you know, everyone, oh my gosh. It was just like, even now, oh, she's a doctor. I'm like, mommy, I'm, I'm not, I haven't tested a patient for like 18 months, soon to be 24. Like, I'm not, I'm not that anymore. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not, and even when I was, that's not me. Like, mm. I, I practice medicine, but mm-hmm. I'm a human being with all of these other pieces to me. And I think mm-hmm. it's so important for us to embrace all of all of it. Like now with my therapist talking about all of these parts and how mm-hmm. they were working all for me, but like in hyper mode, right? Mm-hmm. And and being able to be like, okay, we need to find you. Where where are you? And mm-hmm. I I now see the certain pieces in my life you know, where I'm, I'm helping people, but this part, I realize why this consulting and this work is so important to me is because these clients are helping me so much in terms of mm. expanding me to see where myself, like in mm. them and where I'm still like juggling and being like, yeah. okay, now what you going to say to her? Because once you say it to her, you gotta turn the mirror <laughs> gonna, around. You gonna have to turn I it say around. it all the time when I'm coach. I'm like pot calling the kettle black, but I'm a lean in here anyway. Yeah. And then you're gonna have to, and then we're gonna have to have a talk, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Remember what you told her? Okay. All right. Just noted. <laughs> Continue. I, I'm struck by the fact that you say, you know, mommy, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that anymore. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, you still got the MD. What do you I mean, mean by that? I'm not. I would say I'm not just that, right? Just that's that. what yeah. I, I I mean. Like it was that was the defining, and that showed up in everything. Take care of your brothers and sisters. Take care of this. Take care yeah. of that. No boundaries. The doctor is here to save the day. Don't you know. Put that on me. And it was like, no, nah, I'm a writer. I'm a yes. I'm a I'm a mom, but I'm also, you know, this. I love to dance. I'm like, and it was just starting to recover. And I remember um, one of the things that helped me with this was trying to think about a time where you felt the most free. And it was when I was in Malawi and I was working there for a year or so. And the reason was because I just was able to determine my course. I was 5,000 miles away from everybody and it was like this is how i want life to look and these are the things that i love and it's like and she's like why can't you be that now oh my god um and i think those are the things like think like if there was a seminal moment or something where you felt it because we've all had either you know moments and they might be far in the past but just thinking about why aren't those things potentially possible now what's standing in the way of that does it need to stand the way is that a a must that that thing exists is it is it true yeah (laughs) it's not true (laughs) right right who said is it you know no disrespect to the ancestors but is it just a dead person's (laughs) measure of success god that's so good it's an identity shift yeah and i'm even redefining this desire for success like is it really success or is it just 
satisfaction, like just sufficiency and whatever that is to you, right? It's going to be different for everyone. But if we can position it, because I think success has been taking up all of these different, like your business is not successful. Your life is not successful unless it's this. It's like, well, who who does that serve other than the capitalist people who are like, you know, exploit, extract, exploit, extract. (laughs) And so it's just like for us to say, yeah, I I need this in order to do X, Y, and Z because this is really important. Like I know I want to make great money because we're going to be traveling. We're going to be going everywhere. (laughs) And and (laughs) everywhere. And and that takes money. So, so, you know, but it's just like, what are the pieces of your life that are going to bring that satisfaction and joy? And because I don't want people to, to now define success using whatever their, their terms are. You know, and mm-hmm. so satisfaction, so success, quote unquote, to me in terms of thinking success is what is satisfaction? Where do I feel really mm-hmm. filled? And I'm like, oh, yes. okay, you know. I love yeah. that. Where do I feel filled mm-hmm. and peace? Peace. Peace. <laughs> you said that earlier too, and that struck me. I'm like, oh my gosh, peace is priceless. Oh my gosh. And the women that I'm working with, Marissa, like when you hear their vision, and it's like, I think we can do this in a simpler way. I know that we're black women. Mm. So we always choose the the way with all of the mountains and hills and like, you know, <laughs> the, the potholes and, and the death traps. Um, but we can go down that path right there yes. and it would be a lot easier. So let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Yes. And then meet on a beach on exactly. an island somewhere. <laughs> And have time and be able to enjoy Correct. it, yeah. you know? Oh, man, doctor. Oh, I told y'all it was going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I told y'all it was going to be good. So who needs to reach out to you and where can they find you? Um, so who needs to reach out to me? Most often, it usually are BIPOC um, clinicians who have health practices they may be struggling in them really like they're doing well, but there's no peace. Like it's just, and so those um, clinicians, whether women, men, but really we serve them the best to help them Mm -hmm. become more profitable, to help them get more peace in their lives and just create the impact, the powerful impact in their communities. I'm looking for really mission aligned people who are like, no, this is going to (laughs) happen. So they can um, connect with me. I have a website. It's called Melanin Medicine, www.melaninandmedicine.co. And there you'll find all sorts of stuff, even free resources and other things like that. So, yeah. And they can find me on LinkedIn, too. I write a lot awesome. there <laughs> in my newsletter. Oh, perfect. Perfect. We'll have it all in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm excited about the impact that will happen through your willingness to say yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm also a little scared. <laughs> it it wouldn't be purpose if if you weren't. I say be afraid, but go anyway. Amen. You've been listening to Talking Shift, the podcast with your host, Marissa Q. Payne. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, like or subscribe for future episodes and leave us a review. 
Talking Shift is a trademark production of Marissa Q. Payne International, your source for coaching and consulting when you need a major shift in life or leadership. For more information, visit MarissaQPayne.com or follow us in social spaces at Marissa Q. Payne.